If you would, uh, turn with me to the Gospel according to John, chapter 13. I guess I also need to um, ask you for your, your prayers. Um, I, I just accepted the pastor's harvest this week. So I uh, appreciate your prayers for them and for us to look at making that transition. So I um, appreciate hearing about uh, your, your grandmother, Brother Bart, we praying for her. Yeah. So Our text this morning, uh, we're looking at John chapter 13. I suppose I'll begin reading in uh, verse 31. And imagine we'll just finish out the remainder of that chapter. Uh, If you're familiar with this chapter, it's the chapter where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So up at this point where we take up, that's that's happened. Uh, He's given them an example to follow. And he's also made mention of the fact that one of them was going to betray him. And where we take up, uh, Judas has just exited their gathering. So... Verse 31, it says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Um. It's our reading lesson this morning, and I want to look particularly at uh, the new commandment that he gave to them. You know, he was about to be, as he said, uh, make his departure from this world, be crucified and buried, but uh, he was going to, he did rise again. Peter expressed a desire to follow him. He said, you can't follow me now, but you will afterwards. He rose the third day. He was here, what, about 40 days? And then ascended back to the Father. And just like then, he's no longer with us here. But the new commandment still holds true. As they were going to be without him in his absence, he gave him that new commandment. It, it still holds today. 
A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. We've been charged with carrying the gospel to this world. We're to shine as lights in this world. And as we try to think about the different ways in which we can convey the message and bring people in, I know we probably need to do a better job of personal evangelism. There are things perhaps we could do to engage people in our community better. But as we try to seek the Lord for those things, let's be mindful of what He's clearly stated is going to convince them, to help them to know that we really are the people of God. We can argue with people until we're blue in the face. And we need to bring forth the truth of God's Word. We're told to contend for the faith, which was once delivered for the saints. Yet he says here, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, the love that he's talking about is the love that he has for us. And so I want you to consider just how the Lord loves us. Consider to the extent that he loves us. We sang a song this morning, His love is a boundless love. I love what the Apostle Paul says, what is it, in Ephesians chapter 3. It's like he's trying to lay dimensions on the love of Christ, but you just can't. He talks about how it's his desire that uh, they would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the height and depth and length and breadth to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. His love is a boundless love. In chapter 15, he mentions the new commandment again that we ought to love one another as he loved us. Then he goes on to say, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. The example we have is a very uh, explicit one, really. One that is very much, he manifested in the world when he laid down his life for us. And taking the sins of the whole world upon himself. First John chapter three, verse sixteen. says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Uh, it's been an interesting two years we've lived through, hasn't it? Um, and you know, we've dealt with many different things, perhaps never thought of before, with um, the pandemic. Um, trying to keep each other from spreading something we don't want to share, right? And we've had to take measures to be considerate of our brothers and sisters. I want to put something out there for your consideration. I kind of wonder if perhaps the messaging we're constantly getting through the outlets of this world... 
could perhaps be instilling fear. I think there's a fertile ground there for us to become very much obsessed with our own self-preservation. But God's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Even the, the, the uh, we used to just say goodbye or see you later, now it's stay safe. You know? I mean, we want to keep those we love safe and we ought to do that. But the Apostle Paul, he said, I don't even count my life dear unto myself. As he was locked away, as he was in prison and in bondage in Rome, you see him there and his heart is full because he realizes that his imprisonment is giving an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. And he realizes before he got to that point, he's going to Jerusalem and he says, the Spirit's telling me that prison and bondage await me there, but I don't count my life dear unto myself. He knew he was going to Rome and he knew he was going to have an opportunity there to share the gospel. So be wary of becoming too preoccupied with your own self-preservation. May God help us to check our motives. Only, only you and Him can know that, and sometimes we don't even know that until we ask Him to search our hearts. Lord, am I doing this out of fear or not doing this because of simple fear for myself? Or am I doing this out of love? Or what, what you know? We ought to love one another. And if we're withholding something that we need to share or something we need to do, and our, our, our motive in doing or not doing, we're supposed to do is our own self-preservation, we've missed the mark. It's going to cost us something to love one another. It costs him everything. It's going to cost us time. It can cost us resources. It costs us all sorts of things. He laid down his life for us. We ought also to lay down our lives for one another. I think the obvious uh, example there is laying your life down in death for a brother or sister. But as we read on, it's not just that. It's not just that. It's everything that leads up to that, perhaps. That being the ultimate sacrifice goes on in verse 17 and says, But whoso hath this world's good, and sees his brother as need, and shuts his... Uh, the King James uses bowels of compassion. Oh, that's an odd. Shuts his heart, your, your inmost being, your heart of compassion from that brother or sister. How does the love of God dwell in you? He says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The Lord shows, showed His love to us in that He laid down His life for us. We ought also to lay down our lives for one another. In the example in John chapter 13, where He washed the disciples' feet, I think the, perhaps there's many things you can draw from that. Certainly we can see He loved them and was willing to condescend 
and take the, the job of the lowliest servant to help his, his brothers. He was willing to get down and wash the filth off their feet. And he says, I've given you an example that you should follow. If I, the, the Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. He went on to say, blessed are you if you do them. Do them. You know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I think there we have a picture of how the Lord purifies His people and how He washes us. In John chapter 17, He prayed to the Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. We read of Jesus in the church that He laid down His life for her that He might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. I believe there are many avenues he does that. Not just Brother Kent or, or any of the other teachers, but we we're also supposed to be able to admonish one another. Paul was convinced of the folks at Rome that they were full of all goodness and knowledge and able to admonish one another. Having Being able to use the Word of God and uh, have it come to bear in the life of your brother or sister. And if it happens to be in the form of a rebuke, checking your own heart before you go do that. Seeing that it's done in a spirit of meekness and your, your motive not being, hey, I've got one over you, but I really want to help you. I see you going down this path and I, I know it's not going to, I very much am concerned for you. They may take it the wrong way. But check your motives before you do that. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, you know, if anyone be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself that you, that you could also be tempted. And then it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He shows His love for us uh, yes, and laying down his life, that being the ultimate thing that he's done, but he also you see how he cleanses us and helps us and brings his word to our hearts. And then he also bears our burdens. He bore all of our sins, the sins, our sins, the sins of the whole world upon the cross. But you know what I found as I read through? It seems as if he still he still carries us, doesn't he? He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Blessed be God who daily bears our burden. You read about the high priest and the different garments they wore. If, I can, if my memory is correct, he had the names of the tribes on his shoulder and on his chest over his heart. So that when he went in before the holiest of holies, he had the names of the people upon his shoulders and upon his heart. That's a picture of our high priest who even now is seated at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. He bears our burdens. We ought to bear the burdens of one another, whether that takes the form of bearing with someone else's faults, seeing they're restored and realizing you have to bear some of that. Oh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
You know, one of the things I've, I've grown to appreciate most about how the Lord loves me is how He's always willing to listen. Not only so am I told that He'll listen, but that I am even, not just encouraged, but uh, directed. I'll even say, I think I can say commanded to cast my cares upon Him. For He cares for me. I think Peter was quoting David when David said, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. What a consolation it is that when anxiety grips you, when worry grips you, when whatever you're carrying is too heavy for you to bear, you can cast it upon the Lord and He can carry it. And you. We can provide for the needs of one another. Bring the Word to bear in each other's lives. Bear each other's burdens. Listen to one another. As our great intercessor does, bring, not in the same way he does, but we just bring the prayers to him. The cares and concerns of our brothers and sisters to him, and then he takes them to the Father. Oh, how he loves us. As I have loved you, he said. He comforts us in all our affliction. So that we can then turn around and comfort others with the same comfort by which we are comforted of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I've been thinking about last year, about this time. And, you know, some folks have had a really hard year. And the Lord knows all of those things much better than this preacher does. And, you know, let's remember how much good a listening ear can do, how much a concerned effort to see how the person's doing can do, how much that can go to show your care for them. He said, as I have loved you. You know, we've laid out all these things, the different ways in which God loves us. The Lord loves us and how we ought also in the same way to love one another. And you look at this, this list, perhaps, we've made in our minds now, and it seems daunting. You're taking notes. It, 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 it's a lot of things. And, and you feel, wow, I just really don't measure up to this. You know, and, and you begin to say, well, how, how can I do this better? Let's get our game plan. And, you know, th- there's a, that, that's great. But here's the thing. He says, as I have loved you, so you ought also to love one another. There's such a connection between our perception, our personal experience of God's love toward us and how that bears out 
and how we show our love to one another. Folks, it's not a list and a code to try to govern your lives with in your own strength. They're fruits of the Spirit. You can't manufacture these things. You can't just just get your you can't just live your life so disciplined and we ought to. But here's the thing, it's more than that. You can't fake it. It has to be Christ in you. It has to be him in you. And that is where I think the church at Ephesus got off. They were doing so many things well. They could not bear with those that say they were believers and weren't and, and all these things. And Jesus said, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Be zealous, therefore, and repent, or I will come and remove the lampstand out of its place. It all starts with you and me in our private fellowship with the Lord. I don't know about you, that's freeing to me. It no longer becomes, man, how am I going to do this? It becomes, you know, Lord... You have, you have done this for me and my heart, it overflows. And I see a brother or sister in need. And I, I want to help them. God, what can I do to help them? You don't think he'll answer that prayer. I believe he put it there. We have such a need to abide. You know? I mean... You look at how he said, love one another as I have loved you, and you examine at least something of what that looks like, and you see how short we fall, and you realize pretty quickly, just like the branch can't bear fruit by itself, except that it's in the vine, no more can we except we abide in him, and without him, we can't do anything. But if we abide in him, and his words abide in us. We can ask what we will, and it'll be done to us. Have you ever, when's the last time you had those moments with the Lord in prayer? Where you know he's hearing you. And you get on your mind, that verse comes to your mind, you say, Lord, what about this? Lord, I know you're hearing me right now. Will you please help my mom and dad? Will you please convict their hearts and bring them to a saving knowledge of you? Lord, will you please help my brothers? Lord, will you please help this one or that one? Lord, that impossible task that I have seen before me, it's been a burden of my heart for years. Here you go. Please, I ask it in your name, the only name that's worthy. As I have loved you, he said. I want to give you some practical advice. Be wary of being constantly distracted. How tedious and tasteless was it the hours of the days that seem when Jesus no longer I see We have every resource available 
to keep our minds occupied. Trying to teach myself and teach my kids, hey, you know, we don't, I want to do that all the time because I don't want to play Nintendo all the time with you because I don't want to miss what the Lord might have to say to me. You know, this is fun, yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to constantly, Elias and Nora and Graham, I don't want to do this constantly because I don't want to miss the still, small voice of God. I have a hard enough time hearing him when he's speaking. But he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. May God grant we don't miss it. And you know, we, we're really good at just heaping shame and guilt upon ourselves when we fall short. I know I am. But you look at, I mean, you look at the church at Laodicea. Even is Jesus is having his message sent to John and then send to them. They thought everything was great. We're full and increased with goods. We have need of nothing. Well, they didn't realize that they were poor and wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. And Jesus offered to them. Gold tried in the fire, eye salve so they could see, and, and white clothing, white raiment so their shame of their nakedness would not appear. Yeah, better things for them. And they had no idea. What he say? He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hear my voice, first he told them to repent. And he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chastise. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And he said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. And what, sup with him? Dine with him? Have intimate fellowship with him. Even in their cold and distracted and place they ought not to have been in, his desire was to have intimate fellowship with them. Remember that. Next time you're discouraged by your own fallings short. May God grant us to be able only by His help, only by Him moving in us so we could say with Paul, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. May he help us to love one another as he loves us. That's the message I've got for you today, Brother Kent.